0: Uh, we are trying to fund this uh, by by the, the fans of it rather than by getting adverts and stuff in it. So um, there will be an opportunity to buy, and I paid a pound badge. <laughs> they cost a pound. So far, we haven't sold enough of them to cover the cost of the badges. So that is... <laughs> That's a terrible thing. But if you want to pay a pound towards that, that will all... We're hoping 20,000 people will buy a, a badge and that will be... <laughs> then we can pay for the series. It's quite a cheap series in terms of TV. And if you go online, there are lots of different ways uh, of paying as well. You can pay a pound uh, or just a, more than a pound. And we do have a thing on uh, gofasterstripe.com where if you've enjoyed this and would like to make me to make more, allow me to make more stuff, we ask people to pledge you know, a pound a month or whatever you want to pay a month and all that money will go to uh, creating other content like this because it'd be nice to sort of do this where, as with you all being like the Medici family, uh, <laughs> but quite a cheap sort of Poundland Medici family. <laughs> Well, you all pay a pound I mean it could, it could work 150,000 people uh, download uh, Rich chains Leicester Square Theatre Podcast if they all gave me a pound a year we could, I could make some amazing stuff and I f- feel that that's worth a pound that series <laughs> so maybe I, maybe I'm overpricing myself so we'll see how that goes otherwise we'll just you know I'll sell out and do a crisp advert or something <laughs> and uh... <laughs> mm. <laughs> Stuart Lee I'll get in there first though anyway that...
1: where did we come from what are we where are we going the answers my friend in the wind they are blowing is the mind of god even worth knowing what's the meaning of life that's what this show will be showing Is life just a dream? Is anything certain? Is the world just a stage? If so, where's the curtain? Is the queen really a lizard or is Davidite bonkers? If a serial killer kills another serial killer, does it work like conkers? Is Cheddar or Nod the king of the cheeses? How many communion's to eat a whole
0: Jesus? Are a loving couple just two stalkers who synchronise? If a baboon kills A.A. does a. it can make a countryside. Are we victims
1: of fate or is it free will? Is there a
0: bigger threat on
1: earth than A.A. Gill? Is the cannibalistic Eucharist the spookiest sacrament? My baby's renewed. And sexual excrement.
0: Does a suicidal bee, self indulgent
1: with ennui, recite a sad
0: soliloquy? To be a bee or not to be a bee? I'm no sexist, atheist, arguing if God exists. Wanna ask a spiritualist? Could are your life
1: What's it? the meaning of it all? What's the meaning of asking? Don't get a logical positivist on me unless you want an ass kicking. Cause I just want to know What's the meaning of life. What's the meaning of love?
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. It's the meaning of life. Please welcome a man who proves that the road of excess actually leads to the hut of stupidity. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much. Thank you. Love to be here. Thank you. Welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Thank you for coming. Hello. And welcome to episode three of the increasingly competent Richard Herring's Meaning of Life, or as the cool kids are calling it, Rahmol. Yes, lots of cool kids in. Over the six episodes, I hope to answer all the big questions in life. Like, how many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? It's it's seven. Seven seven roads, it's surprisingly easy, isn't it? A lot of, uh, the problem is you have to walk right down to the end, that's the mistake that a lot of boys make. Don't get all the way, but it's only seven. Easier than you thought. And tonight we're gonna be dealing with a subject that I know everything about. It's love. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is my expertise. Love, that is my specialist subject. And I saw a bear lady once. (laughs) It was in a magazine, but it still counts. (laughs) Yes, I'm gonna finally attempt to answer the question that centuries worth of wise men, philosophers, scientists, and Howard Jones and Hadaway have failed to answer. What is love? Is it just the chemical reaction in our brain by which our subconscious lets us know who we should be procreating with? Or is there some kind of mystical force guiding us unerringly to our one true soulmate? And if so, why does that force always choose to make us meet our soulmate when we're pissed out by the bins at a nightclub? That is, that's the force, that's the area it generally operates in. That's the vortex for love. If you're looking for love tonight, sirs, I think think you might be. Uh, poets have tried to describe love with words but only wendy craig has come anywhere close to the truth love is like a butterfly Uh, it has wings and antennae and it emerges from a kind of chrysalis structure is often in danger of being eaten by birds oh no sorry that's a moth Uh, a moth is like a butterfly that's Wendy Craig was right about that. She's got so close. Uh, I love my God, my Queen and my fellow countrymen. And I can tell you it's a bugger trying to juggle them all so they don't find out about each other. (laughs) Love is the best thing in the world though, right? If you're a lover, if you're in love in this world, the world loves you back. The world loves a lover. If you're in love, you're the best person in the world. Which is interesting to me because if you're a stalker... The world doesn't like you as much, does it? In fact, if you're a stalker, that's almost the worst thing you can be in this world, which fascinates me because the lover and the stalker, the things they're thinking and feeling and doing are identical. There is no difference between, in their heads, if you took a brain scan, it's exactly the same thing. The only difference between a lover and a stalker is reciprocation. The, The lover gets loved in return, the stalker just gets rejected. Does that not make the stalker the more pure and noble of the two? His love remains strong and unbroken. The lover's getting showered in love, probably some blowjobs as well. All the stalker can hope for is a restraining order. And yet, still, he never gives up. It's the best person in the world. The thing that a stalker does are the same. They're exactly the same as what a lover does. They'll email you ten times a day. That's nice if you're in love. It's a bit weird if you're not. They, they leave you little unsolicited gifts. Uh, they turn up at places trying to bump into you accidentally on purpose. They threaten to kill you. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't happen so much with love. Not till later on, you're going to find out. It's, uh, you wait, you're going to enjoy that. If you... But if you think about it, two people who've fallen in love with each other are just two stalkers who've accidentally synchronised. That is, uh, (laughs) we shouldn't be celebrating that. We should be locking those people away until the madness has subsided. Uh, Let us take a look at some of history's most famous lovers. Uh, This is uh, Oedipus. You'll recognise there, Oedipus, talking to the sphinx. Uh, Oedipus, of course, so loved his mother that he killed his father and then fucked her. Most mums prefer it if you just help round the house a bit. <laughs> flowers on Mother's Day, maybe a homemade spice rack. That's really as far as you need to go with your own mum, Oedipus. Uh, Van Gogh, uh, his idea of how to get the woman he loved to love him back was to cut off one of his ears and send that to her in the post. Now, most women will prefer flowers or chocolates or a homemade spice rack, but. <laughs> For one in a thousand women, the surprise severed ear arriving by mail is the key to their knickers. You're taking a gamble, but if you get the right one, it's one in a thousand. Do you like those odds? She'll open that up, go, Brilliant, I've always wanted one of these. I'm definitely going to shag whoever sent me this. He shouldn't be difficult to find. Do be careful, though, fellas. It is a technique that you can really only use twice. So uh, do... Do you use that sparingly. To be honest, mate, you can really only use it once because the second time you use it, the woman's going to go, "You've done this before, haven't you? This is this is your regular chat-up line." I'm not falling for that like that other ear slag. <laughs> saint Valentine, of course, uh, the patron saint of making sad, lonely people feel like shit, because. <laughs> It's not enough, is it, that they feel like that all the time? That's has to be a special day set aside, so we can really rub it in their faces. Do we need a day for lovers? Isn't every day their day? Uh, how about a day for all the lost souls who don't have anyone to love? I've long been campaigning for February the 15th to be declared Saint Skeletor Day. Uh, LAUGHTER and be, devo- and be devoted to the destruction of love. Uh, if, if anyone's even seen holding hands on that day, you're allowed to push them in a puddle. Um, anyone who's had sex so far in that calendar year gets sent to solitary confinement. Uh, if there's someone you really hate, you can send them an elaborate, expensive, and anonymous card going into details of why you think they're such a meatus, uh, such as that one. Uh, is there some- Someone's done online. I've stolen that offline, but it's my idea, so I feel whoever did that has already stolen it off me. But the real selling point is if you're in a relationship you're not happy about, on St. Skeletor's Day, you're allowed to just walk away from it. No explanations, no repercussions. That, I tell you, that is going to catch on. Uh, (laughs) But I am a very romantic man, and uh, I i 've been, I've been falling in love my, my whole life. Uh, the first time I fell in love. Uh, I was ten years old. It was one thousand nine hundred and seventy eight I, uh, I was going to Switzerland uh, with the school on a little school trip uh, in a bus. I was staring out the window on this long, dull coach journey when I happened to notice a young woman standing on the balcony of like a wooden house just some distance away from the road from the road uh, i don 't know how much of this is genuine memory, by the way, and how much is romanticized, even slightly eroticized fiction but I believe she was wearing like a flowing white skirt with the sunlight shining behind her. She was maybe 18 years old, slim with long brown hair. There's just no way this is an accurate reminiscence. Uh, I was young on a fast moving bus looking at someone in the middle distance. I can only assume this memory owes as much to a Timotay commercial as it does to actual recollection, but what is definitely true is in that moment I recognised this woman as beautiful and I wanted to express my appreciation to her, but being 10, I didn't really have any options what I decided to do was to wave at her that was my idea and somehow she saw me waving at her and she waved back enthusiastically rocking from side to side laughing maybe shouting some French greeting it was truly beautiful and being 10 I was able to kid myself that she'd seen me and was similarly enamored with me as I was with her with the benefit of hindsight, I think we can assume that her actions were not precipitated by some paedophilic lust. Uh, from her perspective, a small, chubby child had waved at her and out of a spirit of fun and international relations, she'd returned the greeting, not considering that the scene would have implications on that child's burgeoning sexuality or that he might still be talking about it 36 years later. <laughs> Of course, even if she had been sexually aroused by this tiny plump child who had oh so subtly attracted her attention, there was very little either of us could have done to promote our blossoming and strange love. We spoke different languages, I was at least eight years her junior with little or no ability to interact with girls of my own age or nationality, and I was on a bus hurrying towards Lake Geneva. I think even the most romantically-minded bus driver would have been hard-pressed to stop that to allow us to meet. But any physical meeting would have ruined everything. It was the temporary and transitory nature of this interaction that made it so special. I spent the rest of the journey with this warm feeling in my stomach, bragging to my friends about this mysterious and beautiful French woman on a balcony who'd fallen in love with me. She, no doubt, quickly forgot about the whole experience. I doubt she's ever thought about it again. But more than three decades on, she still occasionally... Pops into my mind, and I feel the same almost innocent, visceral tingle of excitement. She's forever captured in that shaft of sunlight, young and untouched by ravaging time. Before I met my wife, I'd resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to be the monogamous type. I thought, I thought that's just the, you know, I thought that was the kind of guy I was. i would dating a few people in my late 30s simultaneously, and not in an underhand way. I was honest about it. Never underestimate the power of honesty in dating, is my advice to people. Lying is a stupid thing today. Dude, just tell the people what you want to do, and if they want to do it, they can go along with it as well. I was seeing one woman a bit more regularly, and I told her I didn't want to be exclusive, and she said she was cool about that. But I began to suspect that her feelings were a bit stronger for me. Uh, than she was letting on. Um, I was making a breakfast in bed one morning, because that's just one of the services I provide for, for everyone who sleeps with me. It's just, I think it's only polite. I think you just, that is, they, you've, they've given you something. I think you should give them something in return. I always make breakfast in bed. I don't know, does he, do, does he make you breakfast in bed? Does he? That's nice. He did it once, didn't he? He did it early on, yeah, he did it once, and then... Now, sometimes he says he's going to do it, and then he comes up with a bit, chucks you a bit of crust of toast. He's eating it on... <laughs> on the way up, but uh, I always make breakfast in bed. I do it now for my wife. I think it's just, I think it's polite. Just make breakfast in bed. You've done something disgusting. Here's (laughs) breakfast in bed. Uh, My speciality, I I like to, I make porridge. And uh, no, you know, that doesn't sound, no, no. It doesn't sound that good. But what I do is I get berries from Marks and Spencers, right? Like that's four pounds a punnet. They cost. It's like proper, like blueberries, raspberries, king. You know the king size blackberries. Have you seen? They're like twice the size of a normal. Girls love that stuff. They go crazy. It's like a double blackberry. Get a bit of honey, some sunflower seeds. You know, I've got. If you want to come back tonight, I've got enough ingredients for three. Uh, I've got enough milk. I've got enough oats. I've got enough seed. It's not. No, it's it's not double entendre. These are just the ingredients of porridge. I'm just showing I know what I'm. Showing I know what I'm talking about. So anyway, I said to this this woman I was dating, I said, do you want some breakfast? She said, yeah, can I have some toast? I said, well, yeah, you can have toast if you want. I've got four pound blueberries in the fridge going rotten, but if you want toast, have toast. She said, I'd like to have toast. I said, well, have some fucking toast then, you idiot. What What do you want on the toast? She said, well, what have you got? I said, well, I've got like marmite, honey, jam, marmalade. Then as I was leaving, I thought, oh, maybe she just wants it plain, no butter or margarine. So I sort of spun around. I slightly garbled the brand name of the margarine, I had at the time, I said, Olivia. And she said, oh, I love you too. Thank God we said it at last. I knew you did, really. So I had to go out with her for three years, because that, that's, once you've said that, that's a commitment, you can't take that back. You, you, when you see her little face light up at that, you can't go, oh no, I meant the margarine, can you, that is, you break her heart. They've, they've had to change the, name, the brand name of that margarine to Patolli, because it was causing too many unwanted long-term relationships. I think quite a lot of the women in the audience are now thinking, actually, the first time he ever said that to me. The only time he's ever said that to me, he was making me toast. It would be awful to have a relationship based on a margarine misunderstanding, wouldn't it? You get, you get your 50th wedding anniversary, goes goes, there's something I've been meaning to tell you this last half a century. You know, the first time I said that to you, actually, the only time I've said that to you in the 50 years... I meant the margarine. I mean, I've come to love you in a way over the last... It'd be, it'd be awful, wouldn't it? Having that hanging over your head, the, that margarine embarrassment hanging over your head. So, but anyway, the three years passed. I'd been with her for three years for that. And I, I thought, thank God I can end this now. I called my girlfriend into the bedroom. I said, look, I've got something quite important to tell you. Sit down, come in, shut the door. She said, oh, je t'adore, c'est, si. oh, how, how romantic you said it in French. That's lovely, It's been so long since you've told me. I said, yes, yeah, three years to the day since <laughs> I last... Last told you that, but then I had to go over the three more years. That's the one. Every time you say that's three years, a three-year sentence. So when that three years was up, I was being really careful. I was going to make sure nothing was going to get misconstrued. For the last few months, I didn't even speak to her at all, just to be. Make sure there was no mistake. But one day we went for a day out on the Isle of Dogs and she was laughing about it, going, Imagine that, an island full of dogs. <laughs> and I was going, Oh, yeah, I was laughing along. But you know, I was checking my, I had my eye on the clock because it was I was seconds away uh, from the end of this. Uh, and then she said, What would be funnier than, than an island of dogs? An island of monkeys? I'd go, Yeah, monkeys are funny. An island of otters? Yeah, and otters are. Her fun is looking at the watch. She said, what about an island of sheep? That would be funny, wouldn't it? What what, what if there were no male sheep on? What would that be if it was an island of... The the Isle of You? She said, yeah, got you. That's it. Three more years. She knew. (laughs) She knew all along. She tricked me. (laughs) Got to be careful. So, um... I was very shallow back then. In, In my 20s and 30s, um... I was, Charlotte, it was kind of weird. Even in a relationship when I was in my 20s or 30s and wanted to get out of it, if I wanted to finish it, I was too scared to finish it because it was too embarrassing to to say you'd had enough. You think about your friends, your family, how they would react. Uh, You know, I I genuinely, I used to just hope that my girlfriends would die. So uh, (laughs) the relationship would be over. I mean, it's terrible. Fingers crossed, but it didn't... I'm in my 40s now, I'm more mature and I'm mean, properly in love. I really love my wife and uh, if I ever have a moment where I regret getting married, now I hope that I will die. That is, that is, that's maturity, that is true love. That's Because I love my wife too much to want her to die, so that is nice. I've been, I've been married for over a year now, it's incredible. I, I always thought I'd get, thank you, I always thought I'd get... Yeah, three... <laughs> so, three people that have been married for less than a year. Oh, well uh, I've been married for... I always thought I'd probably get married one day. I never dreamt I'd be married for a whole year. Uh, but I believed I was a bachelor boy and that's the way I'd stay. I, I planned to live my whole life, in fact, like Cliff Richard, that was my idea. Going, going from devil woman to devil woman, roller skating everywhere I went, listening to cassettes on my Walkman, that's a, going on holiday in a bus with Melvin Hayes from it Ain't Half Hot Mum, uh, eating only mistletoe, drinking only wine. Cliff has never found the right woman. I think we all know why that is. Um, I'm guessing it's because he has his pick of strange pension-aged groupies, and who can blame him for not wanting to sample everything from that unsavoury smorgasbord? Not me. Yum, yum, yum. Tuck in, Cliff. You're only human. While we can't all live our lives like this imaginary immoral babe maggot... Maggot? <laughs> Probably closer to the truth than... Uh, <laughs> than we dare go. Uh, well. <laughs> Well, we can't all live our lives like the imaginary, immorable babe magnet on his summer holiday. That final commitment is a real big one, isn't it? It's forsaking all others as long as you both shall live. All others? It's a bit unrealistic, isn't it? That's for the rest of your life. Plus, it's the closest the church gets to inciting murder, as long as you both shall live. There's a get-out clause, don't worry if you... They're practically signposting the way out. Uh, marriage is a massive gamble you know when I was getting married I had to ask myself was I prepared to gamble half of everything I own on this relationship working out and it's not like I get double money if I win if if anything all I get is happiness that's not great is it I'm I'm in my mid-40s I've managed to accrue I've managed to accrue some quite good stuff I've got a house I've got a car I've got a Bodum latte maker I don't I don't want to lose half of that it won't work with half of it gone. If you're 19, yeah, sure, go ahead. What you going to lose? Half a pack of polos? Fair, big deal. It is more of a gamble for my wife. As she has ended up with me, uh, and I am an idiot. Uh, but uh, she's a pretty, she is wonderful, my wife. She's younger than me, she's taller than me, she's beautiful, she's intelligent, she's funny. Look, this picture, actually, by her goddaughter, I hope you can all see, it's a bit not quite clear, but uh, that, that's my wife there, all, like, beautiful blonde hair, purple hands for some reason... Quite well defined. And then in the background, that's me—a sort of skin like <laughs> gurning elf ju- jumping around. He can't believe he's can't believe he's luck. He's going, ah, out this. It's—I've never seen. It's like a photo. I've never seen a a picture that has captured, even with the purple hands. She doesn't. She doesn't even have purple hands. I've. She's that good I wouldn't mind if she did but uh, what she's seeing me it proves that love is not only blind but deaf as well uh, and has no sense of smell or touch and is stupid. We got engaged uh, in December and we got married uh, the following April. Uh, I hope there's never a four-month period in my life again where I have to spend so much money on rings and it was, there was engagement rings, wedding rings. Don't get me wrong, I like rings, they're very pretty and symbolic, but for symbols, they're also bloody pricey. You know, that's, The good thing about symbols is they don't have to cost much, But this, unless these rings are symbolising how much money you're going to spend on your wedding, in which case, as you were, rings, brilliant symbolism, well done, if perhaps a bit literal. Um, I've never been the kind of man who's keen to decorate my stubby fingers, my stubby Hermione from Harry Potter fingers. <laughs> Exactly the same size hands as her. I can prove it uh, with jewellery. You might have heard me. You might have heard of me referred to as the Lord of the Rings, but it's for a different reason. Now that is, that is, it's due to my excellence on the gymnastic equipment of that name, but. Uh, I don't want to bang on about money, because it's not very romantic, is it? But fucking hell, it was so expensive! My, when I saw the price tag on there, my heart stopped. And it's, it's a tiny bit of metal, it can't be that cost that much. These ring manufacturers are onto a sweet deal. They can charge whatever they like, knowing that anyone complaining will lose face in front of the person they're trying to get to marry. 4,000 fucking quid, you can't do that, can you? you got to go, oh, yeah, that seems reasonable <laughs> for a piece of metal first time is that like the sample I'm getting a mine full of this metal or is that First time I looked down at my Bering Digi in the shop as I was trying this on, I felt a pang of panic. There's nothing like having a wedding ring on your finger to make you realise you're actually getting married. But in fact, that's the only time that you have a wedding ring on your finger and you're not married. It's the last chance to escape. But, you know, I didn't want to. As I looked at that ring on my finger, it just felt right. In the past, I couldn't see the point of getting married. If we love each other, why do we need a piece of paper to confirm it? But suddenly I got it. It's it's like cool. We're like ring twins. Uh, (laughs) I felt even close to this foolish woman who wants to be with me for as long as we're both breathing and if I have my way long after that, stuffed stuffed and displayed in an erotic tableau in the Tower of London, that is why, that's what I'm hoping. Secretly, I'm, I'm really happy. I was really happy and looking forward and I'm delighted to have been wearing my precious, I call it, because um, it pretty much makes me invisible to all other women, uh, it seems. I did fall in love with my wife at first sight. I, I went weak at the knees uh, actually when I first talked to my wife. The first time I spoke to my wife, when I walked away from her, I felt a magnetic force pulling me back towards her. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I'd never believed in love at first sight. It was kind of spooky the way she kind of impacted so so much on me. And she's and you know, I'd barely spoken to her, and I knew in straight away it was kind of. Weird, and having spoken to her, the first time we kind of got together and I went out and chatted, um, you know, she's, she's an unusual woman. She's, uh, she's she's so clever, but she's like an alien. It's just like the way she looks at the world. Sometimes you wonder if she's been on this planet her entire life. If, I'm, if I've am if i been chosen as the first human to interbreed and make an intergalactic child, I'm very happy to do that. She's incredible. I'm not sure she's from this planet. One of the first conversations uh, we had, she told me she had a list of things she wanted to achieve in her life, like a bucket list, 30 things to do before you die like climb Mount Kilimanjaro, do a parachute jump. There were things like that on her list. But the third thing she told me about on a list of things to achieve in her life was to build a pyramid out of Ferrero Rocher chocolates <laughs> like they have on the ambassador's reception advert on TV. That's, that's her third lifetime ambition. <laughs> to even think of wanting to do that at all, I thought was incredible. But if that was one of your lifetime ambitions, wouldn't that be incredibly easy to do? I don't... Mean, <laughs> All you have to do is buy some Ferrero Chocolates and borrow a tray. Bang, that's that one ticked off. Let's, let's look into parachute lessons. Come on, we're not getting any younger, let's move us along. So the fact it was an unfulfilled ambition, that's what really did it for me. The fact that she wanted to do that, but she couldn't be bothered. <laughs> that is the woman for me. Um, our first Valentine's Day came along. We hadn't been together that long. It had been quite a struggle getting there. We'd had some hurdles to overcome. It was too early to make a massive romantic gesture. If I'd bought her a big present at this point, it could have derailed everything. What if she hadn't even got me a card? Uh, she hadn't got me a card, as it turned out. They, they don't have those on her planet. But... Uh... <laughs> What I did is a small romantic gesture. I bought her a single Ferrero Rocher chocolate with a note attached saying, if we're still together next Valentine's Day, as I hope and believe we will be, I'll buy you another Ferrero Rocher chocolate. I will keep buying you Ferrero Rocher chocolates every Valentine's Day we share. If this relationship lasts as long as I know it's going to, eventually you'll have enough chocolates to build that pyramid and fulfil your ambition. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Watch and learn, fellas. Obviously, that's going to take quite a long time, right? By the time she has enough chocolates to build the pyramid, the early one she's been keeping in a tin for 50 years will be mouldy and desiccated, probably crumbles to dust as she touches them, like something from Miss Havisham's Feast, but it's a romantic gesture. But as a romantic gesture, that means I have to keep doing it, right? Couldn't just get to the second Valentine's Day and go, didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was a good, I thought, you know, thought it looked good. Thought, thought you might give me a blow job. Uh, that, That'd be the same as saying I didn't love her anymore. And I wanted to do this. I thought it was a nice idea. But the second Valentine's Day, I thought, well, let's speed this along a little bit so she can build this pyramid before I'm an old, old man, mouldy and desiccated myself. So the second Valentine's Day, I got a two for her Oshay chocolate. So she's now got a total of three for her Oshay chocolate. She's not allowed to eat them. She's keeping them in a tin, waiting to build the pyramid. The third Valentine's Day, I had to make quite an important decision. Was I buying the number of Ferrero Rocher chocolates equal to the number of Valentine's Days we'd shared? That would be three. Or was I doubling the Ferrero Rocher chocolates on a year-on-year basis? It was at this point I made a foolish decision, which didn't fully take into account the power of exponential mathematics. I thought, let's speed it along a little bit, get a chance to build the brilliant, I got a four chocolates. She's now got seven chocolates, but the convention's been established. There must be chocolates every year and they must double every year. If the next year I just got a four chocolates again, she'd have said, oh, I know, your love hasn't doubled this year then. That would be the end of the relationship. The next year I got her eight Ferrero Rocher chocolates. She was then up to 15 Ferrero Rocher chocolates. Not enough to build a pyramid yet, but she's well on the way. But it was gonna make the years to come pretty interesting, wasn't it? The next year's 16 chocolates, the next year's 32. This year, 2014, I've just bought my wife 64 (laughs) Ferrero Rocher chocolates. Seriously. She now has 127 Ferrero Rocher chocolates in a tin in various states of decay. Which to be honest is probably enough to build quite an impressive pyramid. Doesn't mean I can stop, the convention's been established. There must be chocolates every year, they must double every year. The next year 128 chocolates, then 256, then 512. In 2020, I'll be buying 2,048 <laughs> Ferrero Rocher chocolates. If we're still together 10 years after that, 2,097,000. 152 unpleasant-tasting gold-rat testicle-shaped sweetmeats. <laughs> Dad, there are 2,097,151 chocolates. She's been storing in a huge variety of containers all over the house—tins and casserole dishes, basins. There'll be barfuls of the stuff. Some rotten, some relatively fresh. This romantic gesture is going to bankrupt me. There is literally no way out of it now. I've thought this through, I've really thought of this from every angle. I've got three options, I've thought of every option. My first option, this is the most honourable one, this is probably what I'm going to do, is to kill myself. <laughs> as long as my Ferrero obligation has been fulfilled at the point of suicide, everyone will be happy. Did he at least buy the correct number of Ferrero chocolates last Valentine's Day? He did. That must be some comfort, <laughs> it is, it is a comfort. My second option is just keep buying ferocious chocolates until our house is so full of ferocious chocolates it explodes like a cartoon, they come out of the chimney. My third option is to divorce my wife. It would seem a shame to end the most successful relationship of my life, merely because I'd failed to understand the nature of maths, <laughs> despite having two A-levels in that subject. But I, by 2020, by my she'll have well over four million Ferrero Rocher chocolates. I think that might be enough Ferrero Rocher chocolates to build a full-size, full-scale pyramid of Giza-sized pyramid that we could actually live inside, which would at least solve the storage issues. The problem with that, of course, is the year after that, we'll have... Two full-size pyramids. The next year there'll be four, then eight. It won't be long before we've got two million full-size Ferrero Roche pyramids dotted around the countryside. My whole life will become dedicated to earning enough money to buy the land to build next year's four million pyramids. Paying people to raise the existing buildings on that land to the ground. Paying to rehouse the Ferrero Roche refugees as they will become known. Move them to a new homeland. Paying people to build structurally sound, engineered, inhabitable pyramids out of chocolate. Maybe just to make the Ferrero Rocher chocolates in the first place. Think how many hazelnuts that will require. The whole of the world's agriculture will be dedicated to one nut. I won't be able to afford this. I'll have to enslave the nation and then the world in a grotesque, confectionery parody of the way the original pyramids were built. <sighs> On the plus side, Ferrero Rocher can do pretty well out of this. I don't, I'd don't. i buy some shares now, mate. Honestly, it's the... Get the shares. It's the only way to avoid the Ferrero Rocher serfdom of (laughs) 2060. You'll be a rich man. You can buy your way out. The point is, love is all well and good, and romantic love is all well and good, but maybe true love is deeper than that. It's more prosaic. It's about making things work out on a day-to-day level. It's kind of just trading off, making compromises, just dealing with the day-to-day rubbish we have to deal with. I mean, in a sense, that day-to-day life is less romantic than those early big gestures, but in another sense, it's more romantic that we try to make it work even though the, that kind of initial burst of excitement and love has gone. I, I did this routine, I guess about four or five years ago, the first time I did it. The first time my wife saw it, she said, I love the Frere Rocher routine, because it's a true story. She said, uh, was I supposed to keep all of the chocolates? Because <laughs> you know the ones you bought me this year? I ate all of those. So, <laughs> so what do you mean you ate them, you meant to keep them and build the pyramid? She said, I didn't understand. I said, what part of it didn't you understand? <laughs> What do you think we were doing? It was clearly stipulated. There's nothing I can do. If I'd fuck this up, I'd be in the doghouse for months, because it's the girl, fellas. you just have to suck it up. What are you, what are you doing? Are you building the Ferrero Rocher pyramid in your stomach now? Is that your new ambition? Are you shitting out Ferrero Rocher chocolate shit? And then moulding that into a gigantic chocolate shit pyramid, shit only directly out from food that has been Ferrero Rocher chocolates and nothing else? Because, to be honest, I didn't spot that on your original list of ambitions. Must have been near the bottom, was it? So, to find out all about love, we have an expert on love. She's a writer, journalist for The Independent and The Oldie, and an agony aunt. Will you please welcome the fantastic Virginia Ironside, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Lovely to meet you. Just saw you backstage. Um, Hello, Virginia. Um, You are an agony aunt, so I'm presuming you know all about love. What is love, anyway? And does anybody love anybody anyway? Those are my first two questions to you.
1: God, that's a bit of a mean question. (laughs) Honestly, I'm asked about people being in love, but the whole thing about what is love, it's incredibly difficult. It's like a piece of soap. You can't define it. Apparently the Greeks said there were four different kinds of love. There was a a love of of God, a sort of spiritual one, a love of your children, a love of your friends, and erotic love, which is a love of... uh, the opposite sex. It's best and for when it's all so, four together. And I suppose there's also <laughs> love of your football team, I suppose. But yeah. um, uh, So which one are we going to address today? Well, I think we're oh. looking
0: more towards <laughs> the erotic-slash-romantic... Yeah, I think love. we are, yes. I think we'll mm. go for, because mm. I think we've, co- we've dealt with parental love, I think. <laughs> uh,
1: oh.
0: Look, at the, the, uh, the smoke machine's not only working, it's working on its own now. That's, it's working <laughs> just a little bit too well. It's a bit sarcastic, this smoke machine. <laughs> Uh, so, does anybody love anybody anyway? These are Howard Jones from the 1980s, two questions. What is love anyway? Difficult to say. Does anyone love anybody anyway? Yes. That's that answered. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Some people answer definitely did. Yeah. Um, so, about romantic, erotic love, is there a, do you think it's possible to have them separately? Is it possible to have romantic love that is not in any way erotic? Or is, it always, is there always a sexual element to that kind of love, do you think? I suppose you could
1: have a romantic love that, yes, yeah, up to a point. What I always get irritated by is when people st- st- write to me and say, the, the problem is, they say, um, I, mean, I love him, but I'm not in love with him anymore. And I think, you lucky people. I mean, you, you don't want to be in love. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a, it, I mean, loving someone is what it's all about, that, that being kind and nice and honest. But to be in love, you're in a state of... I mean, it's like taking drugs. You, you're just bonkers. Yeah. And I don't much like it. I've been in love <laughs> several times myself, and and now, if it creeps up on me, I do my best to keep it from the door. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, very wary. I think, watch out, watch out. This yeah. is no
0: good. Can you control... I mean, because that's what I... Because I, often people fall in love with the wrong person, and then are they able to, you know, say they're... Uh, sister's husband or whatever uh has happened to me uh, and uh it's very you know is it possible to stop it or is it, a, is it a roller coaster that you can't stop
1: well it's funny that isn't it the um falling for the wrong person because usually one falls for the wrong person again and again and again and we've seen it with friends I'm sure you have you know they they break up I've seen it
0: with my, my own life to be honest
1: <laughs> they break up with some nightmare they've been going out with and you think oh at last you know we'll be able to ask him around with somebody decent he goes and picks another nightmare exactly the same <laughs> it's just that he can't resist it and then another one and another one it's as if people are... my theory about love which is I mean it's I don't know how good it is but it's But I think that the minute we come out of the womb, we're in a state of loss and misery. And we all want to get back that connection with... uh, Well, with your mother, I suppose. So you're always, as you grow up, after you've grown up... If there's no-one
0: else available.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And as as you get older... When you're independent, you're looking for some other half that's going to fit you and make you whole. And it never really works. You really have to work at loving yourself first, and then you can love somebody else. But if you're always going through needing this other bit of the jigsaw to fit into you... I don't think that's ever going to operate very well. It's like ivy growing into a trellis. It, it's, you know, it's always a bit unstable. Um, and, and also, when it's combined with erotic love, which doesn't actually last... I mean, you... How long have you been married?
0: Uh, well, I've been married for two years, but I've been, we've been together for six years, so... Yeah. Oh, all right, yes, I know what well, you're talking okay. about.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but also, I'm, like, 46 now, so, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah. I'm mm. lucky if it, you know... <laughs> Lucky if it, you know, it pops up at all. Let alone if anything, <laughs> if anything comes out of the end, creeps up my urethra. <laughs> Which way will it go? I was, I was going to be polite with you, Virginia. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't terribly terribly rude but is there something in i mean i did but it was it was weird with me i mean i i think when i was a kid and younger i you know when i was a young man i, I was really into this idea of meeting the one person and it really didn't happen for me in that way and my parents uh met when they were 13 and have been together ever since and are yes. still you know they're still together 60 odd years later so you know i had that as the example and then i think when i might Relationship with my first girlfriend didn't work. Out. I assumed I would marry my first girlfriend, uh, and didn't even have sex with her. <laughs> uh, but uh, she was 14, so it's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> she was 16 by the end. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but um, it's you know. So I think I kind of went the other way. But it, but you sort of so want. It, it's like a, it, it, we've over romanticised love. I think to the to the extent that in reality, having a relationship is different than just. Uh, having oh, sex yes. with someone and, and, and mean, that excitement of that
1: i mean the arranged marriages work yeah. so and and there's a, a huge emphasis on love it seems at the moment when in, when i was young in the 60s of course it was all about sex and then i remember getting letters about you know, the, people would think that if they didn't have simultaneous orgasms with their partners, there was something terribly wrong with the relationship and they should get divorced straight away. And if they didn't enjoy sex, that was it. I mean, sex was the, the big um, predictor, really, of whether a relationship would work or not. I remember reading that if you didn't have an orgasm, you, you were likely to get cancer. You know, you were an uptight, miserable person. But now it seems to have changed a bit, and it's all you've got to love, or rather be in love with your partner before it's going to work. I think it's another myth. I think you've just got to... I think if two people who find each other reasonably attractive <laughs> <laughs> and decide that they're going to be really kind and honest with each other and make a go of it, I think that'll be... I think oh, of you, you could pick... but. 10, 20 people here. You could get on with them perfectly well. No, I'm if not
0: in my audience. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, for the guys, yeah, there'll be 10 women who are women, so that'll do for these fellas at the front. But the girls go, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's all right. Uh, but I mean, that's, what, that's what I find interesting is because, you know, this idea, I mean, it's over-romanticising. this idea. Like there's one person in the world just for you and you've got to find them and you eventually you'll find them. A, grow up. B, if that's true, it's a bit kind of tight to make me wait, wait 40 years till I find my one. <laughs> so it's beautiful. a bit, it's a bit, um, uh, but, you know, in the old days, you'd be in a village and you'd just presumably marry whoever was kind of about the same age as you if you go to the big brother house it's 12 people in the big brother house two people always fall in love with each other at least for a short while uh, if it's lee ryan he falls in love with a couple of people back and forth so if you know if in 12 people two people have fallen in love with each other that's not uh, a very special thing no
1: it's not no and and you always want to Fall in love with what people usually do fall in love with, with people they think are similar in some way. So, on the whole, people from the same social backgrounds, all the same village, as you say, get together. Or even—I mean, I, I remember basing quite a lot of love affairs on, um, you know, whether they liked the same films as me. The minute that I met somebody and they said, "God, I thought the King's Speech was crap or something," I say, "Oh, so did I." And you know, I think, "Oh,
0: so did right. I, Virginia."
1: We're, we're... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just found out you live really close. My wife can, you know, let you know when my wife's out. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> <laughs> Will you please give a massive round of applause to my guest, Virginia Eyre, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you. You may now, if you wish, leave. Thank you. That was brilliant. Thank you. We'll share a we'll share a cab back to Shepherd's Bush. Richard. You know, I think that love, uh, you know, it is just a, a kind of a fanciful, imagined thing. It's kind of a beautiful thing. It's fantastic that I do love my cats. Uh, I don't know if they... I'm not sure they love me back. I don't think they do. It, so it doesn't matter. That's where love uh, is a wonderful thing. And I am delighted to be in love with my wife, uh, even if it is a metaphysical metaphysical nicety born out of the basest human needs. Uh, it's still a, a wonderful thing to express and I hope if you're in love now that continues. If you haven't found love yet, you'll, you'll have, it might not happen to you, but you know, you might go go to Bassy Dog's home and Cat's home and just pick a random flea-bitten bit of shit off the... And then within a year you'll love it and that'll be the love of a pet in a way. It's probably the best you're going to do. So that's... So no, that's but that's nice, uh, and you know I am glad. I'm glad. I'm glad because I, I, as a younger man, I did. Uh, you know, I, I lived until as a sort of itinerant student until I was about 40 years old. It was pathetic, and I think you know. I think a lot of men my age envied me the freedom I had. You know, doing, doing whatever I wanted, travelling around, having. It was sort of fun up to an extent. It's not as good as you you think, fellas. I think when you're about 17 or 18, you think it's a good idea to go out and sleep with loads of different people. I think most of us get a bit older, a bit more mature. Into our mid-20s, we realise it's more satisfying to be in a long-term exclusive relationship with someone we have genuine feelings for that we cherish and love. Then we get a bit older, uh, into our 30s, and we realise, no, no, I was right first of all, but it's... (laughs) Too late, you've got kids now, you'd have to divide up the CD collection. It's more trouble than it's worth. Best just sit it out, wait for the blessed release of death, and... um... (laughs) That fittingly is our next subject. Next month's show will be about death. Uh, do come along again; it's fantastic to to see all of you here. Do watch again at home uh, for free, uh, and uh, do spread the news about the the podcast uh, and the video uh, to all of your friends. Uh, it is going most of it's going to be free. Uh, and thank you so much for coming. That is the end of the show. Good night. Thank you. <laughs>
1: How do you like them sky potatoes?